0: Up, And uh, we're gonna continue in our series this morning uh, in the book of James. Love this book. Very, uh, (laughs) very succinct, very powerful. He minces no words. And uh, we're gonna look uh, starting this morning in James chapter four. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to there. But James is gonna talk about our relationships this morning and keeping our relationships healthy and good. And I don't know about you, but relationships are probably one of the hardest things in life to keep healthy, to keep developing and grow deeper. Uh, It's like uh, all of our relationships, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or at work, we run into these roadblocks, we run into these things that, these conflicts that happen in the context of relationship that threaten the very existence of it that threaten it to either just stop altogether or threaten it to just stop and, and, and stay shallow instead of go deeper. And so James gives us some really incredible insights into kind of the why behind this. Why is it that we have such a tough time? So if you have a Bible, open it to James chapter four, we're gonna read the full passage there of one to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a million dollar question. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend whatever you get on your pleasures." You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those are some strong words, wouldn't you agree? I mean, at the very start of the message, the person maybe who you're having conflict with, think about that person as I go through this message. Now don't look around, you know, don't give any cues or anything, but but it might help to go, why am I having such a struggle all the time? Verse one says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come? from your desires that battle within you. I don't know about you, but that sounds like he's pointing the finger at me and not necessarily at the person I think is the problem. James says the cause of our arguments comes from these competing desires within us, within us. Now, conflict starts early in life, right? I mean, I have grandchildren and and our youngest grandchild Uh, Amy, sometimes, uh, you know, she's starting to get verbal, but she doesn't even need words in order to show you that there might be a problem between your will and her will. Right. (laughs) And she's not unique. She's not unique. All kids are that way, is that when their will is clashed, then they let you know. And we do that growing up. We just get better at it at verbalizing what we really feel and think. Marriage has these built-in conditions for conflict. Think about the thing you expected from your spouse when you were dating. And you're thinking, oh, you know, oh, he's always gonna wanna spend money on me. Oh, he's always gonna listen to me and care about my feelings. Oh, yeah, he's always gonna be there for me in a romantic way. He's gonna think about the little things of life. He's thinking, oh, she's always going to look like a million bucks. She's always she's always going to want to have sex every night, you know? And then you both wake up, right? All marriages go through three stages. Stage one, the happy honeymoon. Stage two, the party's over. Stage three, let's make a deal. And you have to, you do, right? And you have to get good at learning how do we navigate through conflict and through arguments that are going to happen inevitably in a marriage. What desires? What desires is the Bible talking about? Well, there's all kinds of desires, right? It's whenever your desire, my desire clash. So there's different kinds of desires that we're gonna look at here in the scripture. But when I put those desires, desire in itself is not bad, but when I put those desires as the goal, as the forefront, above everything and, and every, everybody else, that's when conflicts ensue. Verse two says, you want what you don't have. You are jealous for what others have. And so there's this aspect of getting things in our life. We want stuff in our life. Now there's different kinds of things that we want. But one of, the, one of the clear things that, we, that cause a lot of problems is the desire to acquire, right, things. Now, things in and of themselves are not bad, but it's like when they compete. In our marriage, for example, you know, I love gear. Anything that's gear worthy, I love it. You know, it could be for anything. You know, it could be for sports, it could be for fishing, it could be for my car, it could be for any number of things. If it's a little piece of gear, I'm into that. Tisa likes like clothes and little Christmas items, and I don't really get that. We got a, like a little Charlie Brown music box from Amazon. I didn't order it; she ordered it, and I wasn't particularly happy because, you know, we're on a tight budget right now, and all of a sudden here comes this little item that I don't envision why we would even order that little thing. <laughs> you know, we could have had say that hard-earned money for a piece of gear for me. And I don't know about you, but stuff gets in the way of our relationship all of the time. Two different kind of contrasting desires of what we want to have in our life. And it's this lifestyle that in our country we try to maintain and keep up with that creates all kinds of problems. Uh, Now, we in our marriage, maybe, maybe not unlike a few of you, we're prone to argue around money more than probably anything else if I'm honest it's probably around that more than anything else uh, Dave Ramsey says I'm the money nerd and then she's the free spirit that's how he would put it and you know I get like really obsessed around the budget and all of that and she's like more like hey just chill out live some life be you know be fun and uh, a budget though is something that money nerds really like and i'll tell you why because it helps you tell your money where it's going to go rather than it telling you where it went right and yet free spirits you know it's like hey let's live a little bit not everything from now until jesus comes back needs to be on this tight budget you know let's kind of be free here and so we've had to learn how to serve each other in that and how to deal money. Money is a pretty real and important thing when it comes to a marriage. Matter of fact, it's not by accident that if you look at the research, the majority of marriages end up in a divorce around financial issues, arguments, stresses, and fights. And the research shows that those who fight about finances once a week are over 30% more likely to get divorced than couples that fight about finances a few times a month. And so it's this regularity of this contention that's constantly going on. And one of the things that produces that is the debts that we create in our lives. We want things, we go out, we we have easy funding, easy money that's there, accessible, and so we end up in these debts that create this pressure. And then this lifestyle of the kind of house we think we deserve, the kind of car we think we need to own, and all of that just creates this pressure to produce a certain amount of income that keeps us busy, keeps us stressed, keeps us in debt, and then we wonder, well, why are we fighting all of the time? Verse three says, you want only what you, you, you want only what will give you pleasure. See, it's not only the desire to acquire and things and stuff that we want, but it's also this desire for pleasure. Now, pleasure in and of itself is not a bad thing. Scripture says God made everything for our enjoyment, there's, a, there's pleasures in life that we give glory to God. I mean, you have a great meal with friends or family. We're gonna have Thanksgiving soon, right? And man, what a great time to just enjoy just the pleasure of the eating and the smells of the food and all of that and the friends and the family. Such a great form of pleasure. You know, uh, listening to your favorite music, it's so pleasurable. Sitting out on a rock watching a sunset, so pleasurable. Having sex with your wife or your husband, so pleasurable, you know? It's it's good stuff. There's pleasures in and of themselves are not a bad thing, they're not wrong. God's created a lot of things that we can have pleasure in. It's when pleasure again becomes the whole center focus. It's me focused. It's about my pleasure. The desire to have, the desire to feel good, those are two desires within us that can create all kinds of conflict. For example, Sex in our culture is probably more a source of conflict than anything else. Not because sex is bad, it's actually good in in its context, but we often misunderstand it. So whether you're in a marriage having sex or you're outside of a marriage having sex, we often view sex as me is the end game here. My gratification, me-centered. And the culture applauds that attitude. Sex was meant to be expressed between a man and a woman in a marriage to show love to the other person, to mutually experience pleasure, to reaffirm the covenant of trust, and a lifelong commitment. Sex was designed to express true intimacy and helping the relationship to grow deeper. But see, when we feel we deserve the pleasure that comes from sex, we feel like, hey, this is my right, this is, I'm made this way to be gratified, and sex becomes pr- predominantly about me, then obviously it needs to start as early as possible. Why wait until marriage? And then it be- becomes oftentimes addictive and destructive. Sex inside marriage can also be harmful when we use it as a bargaining chip with the other person. It's th- it gets thwarted, and then resentment builds up. Verse 2 and 3 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. See, not only is this desire to have and this desire for pleasure, but, but even the good forms of that we often don't end up experiencing because we don't pray. That's what the scripture says, that we're not asking. So if I'm not asking, what am I doing? Well, I'm trying to get I'm trying to obtain whatever it is I think I need by myself, for myself, in my own strength and in my own power. See, we don't pray, we don't ask God, we don't look to him, we often look to ourselves to meet our own needs. And God's saying, man, I'll meet your needs if you will just seek me, you'll find me. And then he says, but when you do ask, you often ask with the wrong motives, and that's another reason why you often don't receive things. Now, I hate to admit it, but there are a lot of times when I'm fighting with Tisa, and yes, for those of you who are here going, you fight? I thought you were a pastor. Yep, we fight, we argue, we're still together, we still love each other, we're best friends. It's all part of marriage. Um, but when we end up in, in like a tip or an argument, I often don't think about praying. I'm thinking about winning. I'd like to win that situation, and then maybe later when everything cools down, we might pray. And, and God's just saying, why don't you pray first? Why don't you pray right now? I'm not talking about that awkward thing when you're in the middle of a heated argument and you go, let's pray. You know, that's just weird and awkward. Um, and I've tried it a few times. It backfires on me. I'm just gonna tell you. Don't even go there. But it's this attitude of praying, this attitude of Seeking God for the help that we need in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, at work. What I've discovered about myself is that my lack of prayer is also a reflection of the pride in my life. And and it's it's that attitude that, God, if things get really, really bad, I'll come find you. But otherwise, I kind of got it covered. I'll figure it out. And that's nothing more than pride. Pride. Prayerlessness in itself is an evidence of pride. James talks about uh, that being one of the reasons why we don't receive from God is this proud attitude that gets in the way. In the next verses, James talks about conflict, not just with people, but with God. He says pride not only causes conflicts with people, but it It gets in the way of our relationship with God. In verse six, he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I need a lot of grace. I need a lot of grace. God declares war on selfishness, and it's a war I'll never win. Have you noticed that God has this unique way of engineering circumstances so that when your ego starts to get a little too out of control, he has a way of deflating that, helping us to see that we're in constant desperate need of him. James is saying, don't let pride be the source of your arguments and keep you in that crazy cycle of constantly conflict and argument and drama So what's the cure? Well, first of all, know that there is a healthy pride, that healthy pride where you take pride in your kids' accomplishments, they did something really well, they gave something away that just blessed your heart, or pride as a coach, you know, you're coaching someone to a next level and they (coughs) knock it out of the park and you're proud of them. There's a healthy form of pride, that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about this self-centered ego, that lifts itself up, it's this too high of an opinion of one's self. Muhammad Ali was arguably the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, and when he was young, you remember, those of you who are old enough, remember he'd walk around, strut around, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Well, once Ali was on a commercial flight, and prior to takeoff, the flight attendant reminded him to buckle up. He said, "Uh, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she shot back and said, yeah, Superman don't need no plane. (laughs) Ollie buckled up. That excessive self-esteem, you know. In his famous chapter on pride, C.S. Lewis, in his book on mere Christianity, he points out this competitive nature of pride. I don't know if you've ever thought of pride this way, But pride, the kind of negative pride the Bible speaks about, is really based on competition. He said this, Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They are proud of being richer or clever or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Isn't that interesting? It's very true that pride in, in the core of it, it's the thing that fuels it, is the sense of comparison and competition with one another. And it happens in our relationships. And so James gives us some good news here. He says in verse 6 and 10, he says, God gives grace to the humble humble yourself before the lord and he will lift you up what is grace grace is the power to change grace is the free gift of god's empowering presence in your life i need grace i need grace in my life i need grace to change because naturally i'm an impatient unsatisfied person and that gets in the way of my relationships I need God's grace and his power to change, his help. And the way to get that grace is through humility, through being humble. It's not not debasing yourself. It's not pushing yourself down. It's not lifting yourself up. It's just saying, God, help me be who you've created me to be and be in a place where I can receive Some of us have the hardest time receiving, don't we? We're okay to be the giver because then we're in control. We wanna be the one that has the answers, the problem solver, but we often have difficulty just being the one to open up our hands and saying, God, help me. I need your grace. I need your grace to be a patient person. I need your grace to be contented. I need your grace when others, when I feel my rights are being encroached on, I need your grace in every situation. And to get more grace, it's very simple. He says, just submit yourself to God in verse seven. Let God be God in your life. Let him be the Lord, the leader, the one who's calling the shots and just come underneath his authority, come underneath his leadership. A couple days ago, Tisha and I got in a little tiff. I don't even remember what it was about. That's a cool thing about aging. Uh, You know, I'm I'm talking about in the argument, I don't remember. It's just kinda escalated, and we're like, why are we fighting?" I don't know! (laughs) Forgot, you did something. (laughs) It's one of the benefits. Uh, But, so we we have this little tip, we get in the car and we're going somewhere, and there's this awkwardness in the car, you know, that funk that's there. And you're like, I'm driving, she's there, we're not talking, turn on the radio, you know. And I'm thinking, I know how to solve this problem. It's called apologize. <laughs> so hard though, I felt so much resistance, you know, coming again, like, how, why? I, let her be the one that, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just that fight that goes on. And, and I kept asking God about it, need he just apologize. it's really simple. Humble yourself. And so I did, I, I, I it took me literally a couple minutes just to get the courage. And it was over something, I'm serious, I don't even know what it was about. And it's like, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me for my tone and the way that I, whatever, you know, things I said that just kind of created this problem, helped create the problem. And, and um, I'm not talking about apologizing for something you absolutely didn't do, but hey, let's face it, don't we often feel that way? I didn't do anything. So it's like, Apolog- and boom, she's like, oh, okay, good, thank you. And boom, the rest of the day was a great day. It's so hard sometimes to just submit yourself to God, to humble yourself, to be the one to step up, to take the initiative, yield yourself to God. The starting point of all of that is yielding your whole life to God, entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ asking him to be the forgiver of your sin and to come in and bring grace and empowerment to your spirit. Let him be in charge instead of you. He said in verse one, you remember your desires that battle within you? He's saying this is the civil war going on inside of you. And we've gotta bring that to God and say, Lord, there's this unrest in me. There's this thing that I end up in conflict with a lot of people a lot of the time and asking him to come in to your heart, to your life. Some of you right now this morning are having incredibly difficult uh, tensions in relationships because there's competing desires going on. It's a battle of the wills and a battle of the wits. And until someone humbles themselves and submits to God, you will not see his power and grace come in to that relationship. There's something about humility that just takes some of the steam out of pride. It just loses traction, that thing that wants to fight, fight, fight. Whoever will step up and just be humble, what happens is it it just changes the narrative of the relationship in that moment. Humility and submission to God brings God into the center, and it puts me on the outside. And some of us just need to do that. We need to do that today in our relationships. Do whatever you have to do in your life in order for for God to just come in and give you the grace that you need. Be humble. Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes, verse seven says. You see, it starts with our own humility. It starts with our own submission. But here's the cool thing about submitting is that when you submit to God and you just humble yourself before God and people, it all of a sudden now you have the ability to move in spiritual authority, whereas pride, you can't. But once you're humble and you submit to God, now the praying that you do is, it's not about, Lord, change her, it's about, first, change me. And then in that place of humility, what happens is you're able to move in ways in the spirit that you will bring down strongholds that come against our relationships. See, the devil wants your marriage to fail. And the devil is real, and he comes against your children. He comes against your friendships. He comes against you at work. And, it's, and he comes against us in these ways. And the scripture says, don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. But to know he's the father of all lies. He puts these lies in our mind that says, hey, I deserve this. I have the right for that. How dare you treat me that way? Look at the zinger I got for you. And he, he stirs that strife up in our relationships and he wants to divide your family. So that's how he works and we need to not be ignorant to those ways. And so the scripture says, submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, actively resist him. And how do we do that? We do that through humility, but we do it in prayer as well. My pride and my ego often get in the way. And then when it does, that's an axis, it's a little entry point for the devil to come into a relationship. You uh, you wanna keep the wicked one out of your relationships, you walk in humility. Walk in humility, walk in submission to God, and pray in the spirit, and watch what happens. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. You don't have to put up with him. You don't have to just uh, tolerate that, but you have authority in Christ. Now, here's the really good news. Scripture says in verse eight, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. How do we do that? How do we come near to God? Well, we already looked at a few of the things as submitting to God, It's walking in humility, um, but also it's just growing in intimacy with him by spending time with him. Whenever we start to get in battles within our marriage, it's normally me, and it's normally because I haven't pulled away to go spend some concentrated time in the presence of God because I get depleted, you get depleted, and we need to be filled up. Sunday is a wonderful time to do it, uh, but we also need that extended time away from people just with God. In our, in our daily life, but also those extended times where we go get away for a whole afternoon, whole morning, a whole day, maybe even an overnight retreat. And we just need to spend that time and reconnect with God and let him pour into us. Verse eight tells us another way that we get close to God and he gets close to us is when it says, wash your hands, purify your hearts. Our hands represent our conduct. What, it is, what is it that we're doing that might be grieving the spirit. And then purifying our hearts, that's our attitudes. What is it, where's a blind spot in my heart, in my life where, man, I need to take it more serious that the things that I'm doing is maybe hurting people, hurting my children. And it's coming to God and it's being willing to shed a tear, it's being willing to repent and make a change in my life. You wanna reduce conflict? Then it means we say no to pride, we say yes to submitting to God, yes to humility, yes to prayer, yes to drawing close. And in verse 10 he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Where is it that you could humble yourself this week? What conflict are you engaging or that's just raging in the background? Maybe it's on the back burner. (coughs) You're avoiding the person, whatever it might be, and that you just need to be the one to take the initiative to make the phone call, to write the letter. I'm not talking about a letter or a phone call to work it all out. I'm talking about to take some ownership, humble yourself, reaffirm love and commitment, and just letting God work. How can we humble ourselves before God and people this week? Which of the desires are creating the most conflict in your life? Is it the desire to acquire, to have, to get? And whoever it is is thwarting that a little bit, not on your same page, is creating conflicts? Or a desire for pleasure? Somebody's not meeting your needs? Or your rights? I have a right to this. See, in the first chapter, A couple verses that we read, four times it says unsatisfied. You want, but you don't have. You don't have. You're jealous that other people do, and you don't. It says you strive for it, but you can't get it. You're unsatisfied. See, the secret to satisfaction is not just getting more and more and more. The secret is really just to relinquish control, submit ourselves to God, humble ourselves, and let God be the one to meet the needs in our life. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me right now. Would you bow your head? Lord, we just wanna thank you for grace that you pour out that unmerited favor and that empowering presence of your spirit to help us to change, especially in these deep, deep areas of our heart where we have competing and conflicting desires, where we have this desire to be happy and to have pleasure, we feel we deserve it and it's owed to us. Lord, in these areas of our attitude of heart, Lord, where pride rises up and instead of turning to you, Lord, we just turn to ourselves again and again and again and end up short. And today, Lord, we wanna humble ourselves. We wanna come to you and submit to you. Maybe you're here and you haven't really done that fully yet. You've been exploring and thinking about having a little bit more of God in your life, but today's the day to just surrender, just to completely submit your life to him. To quit trying to negotiate and just say, Lord, I need grace. I just, I'm just giving you control. Please forgive me and empower me now with the grace to change and the grace, Lord, I'm constantly feeling and trying to put out conflicts in my life. And Lord, I realize that something's wrong in me. So I come to you right now, God. If that's you, I just invite you to pray this with me. Jesus, I'm inviting you and I'm opening my heart to you. (coughs) Jesus, I'm asking, Lord, that you break down these hard walls that I've built up over time in my life and the desire, God, to have my will done instead of yours. And Lord, I I want your will now. I'm surrendering. I'm submitting to you, God. I'm humbling myself the best I know how right now in this moment. And I'm saying, God, pour in grace, pour in forgiveness. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. Just in this moment, if that's you, and you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand, letting me know I prayed that prayer, Mike. I I prayed that with you. Amen. Good, good, good. Yeah, good. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Would you just fill each one of these, Lord, with grace, with empowering grace, Lord, for change. Fill each one, God, with your presence and just the affirmation that you know them, you love them, and come close to them today, Jesus, as they're coming close to you. And Lord, for each one of us in our relationships, we pray, God, will you help us turn our back on pride to recognize it for what it is and to just develop a path, a habit of humbling ourselves, to not seeing that as this pathway to a doormat or being weak, but a pathway to being lifted up by you, God, a pathway to healthier relationships, a pathway, Lord, to experiencing intimacy in our relationship with you. So we pray, Lord, have your way. May your will be done. May your kingdom come in our life, in our relationships, as you see it in heaven, amen. Amen, well, if today you opened your heart to Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you it's the best thing you could have ever done, I'm so excited for you. I would love uh, for you to tell me about it. I'll be right over here at this First Connect underneath the monitor. If you're new or newer to the church and you'd like to know how to connect here, feel free to just come up and and say hello to me. Over here is on this side of the the stage, there's a prayer team. They'll be there to pray with you no matter what's going on in your life. Let's stand up together. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time.